Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Gochik joins us again, our favorite lawyer from California. And I got to tell you, the stories that he has are absolutely remarkable. The experiences that he has had here, in particular being very close to the Stanford University campus, his observations and everything that he's seen. He talks about the mask wearing. He talks about some family things that are going on. He spends a lot of time, too, talking about the successes of homeschooling with his son, which has been absolutely incredible, not to mention his son even pushing back against the mass craziness and all these weirdos out there. He talks about defending these parents as well and how that particular citation, I guess it would be, for public protesting regarding, again, the mask wearing that was being forced on students in school and him representing some parents in this particular case. He brings that up as well, and we talk about a lot of stuff. Remarkably important. So give this a listen, share it where you can. And I got to tell you, I think it's going to be really interesting going forward to see what happens with these masks. We thought they were away. We thought the mask wearing was gone. But I'm starting to hear more and more from individuals saying that it's starting to come back in a lot of schools. So here we are again in the middle of summer, about to be the first week in July. And it's one of those things, as you've heard me say, when the cat's away, the mice play. And right now, I think a lot of school districts are trying to ramp up the mask wearing again. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I'll also say this here at the front of this. I read an email a while back, which I reference uh, in this particular episode in this discussion with AJ about a friend of his and a family that they were friends with where uh, the husband who was the breadwinner passed away. He was at the very least double jabbed, very healthy, athletic, and then passed away in his backyard from a heart attack. Um, we need to pray for these people. We need to pray for that family and and all of these individuals who have made this colossal error in judgment and have been brainwashed again and coerced into taking these shots. These families are having a very, very hard time. I understand that we're hard on a lot of them for a good reason in many cases, but it's, it's still very, very difficult because, again, we're talking about innocent lives that had no idea what they were doing. We're talking about families that are being destroyed. And, and children that are forever changed as a result of, of all of this abuse in this giant war that we are in. So definitely give this a listen, share it where you can, and I'll catch you on Friday. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. You know, this is my favorite, uh, my favorite podcast. Oh, wow. I, I really mean that. I listen to it like religiously. I haven't finished the last one from yesterday, um, but I, I listen to it. It's my go-to, my go-to podcast. Um, I think you do a great job. Really, you do. I like your insights. I like the stories you discuss. I like how you get into COVID and, and what's going on in the world of education and, and, and related subjects. And um, I really give you a lot of credit for some of the things you've said about, uh, like, as, as I mentioned to you, like during World War II, Germany, Hitler, stuff like that. I, I, I give you a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it really is an interesting subject and, and one of the more difficult parts. And I've kind of brought this up, I think, in the past a little bit. But one of the hardest parts I had sort of in this giant awakening process is you go back and you think of the things that you taught when I was a school teacher. And, yeah. I, and I think, man, you know, I, I, sh I shouldn't have said that because it wasn't true. 
And, uh, you know, that right there is is such a big deal, I think, because any time that I hear some of these history teachers or science teachers bring particular things up, I just think to myself, they have no idea. Yeah. You know, it's sad. And that right there, again, shows the how strong the brainwashing really is. Yep. In fact, that's kind of the topic of what's going to be the the next episode uh, after our conversation. That'll be probably Friday's episode. But yeah. Oh, and I want to mention, I do like your other guests a lot, like Robin. You have Robin. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, uh, I mean, she knows a lot and, and, and she's, you know, she's not backing down at all. I like, I like her position at, uh, at the university and how she's taking them on the administration. Um, and she brought up a good point. I didn't, I didn't realize about, you know, it, but it's true. You know, with the gas prices, just students not wanting to drive in, not wanting to commute to class. Um, and many other things she said too. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Some great guests. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll tell you what—that's yeah. that's not a bad place to start if you're interested, because I I have a, just a few questions for you, and of course I know you've got sure. a lot to discuss also. Yeah. Um, you know, in the last episode, I was bringing up the student housing stuff, as even uh, Dr. Robin McCutcheon brought up a while back, and I brought that up with her too, and she said that would be something that she would have to pay closer attention to, but. You know, where I live, they're, they're starting to turn the university housing into office space because, again, they don't have the students. Wow. Are you, are you uh, seeing that around where you live? Because, again, we know that you're around Stanford University there. Yeah, you know, Stanford built a lot of student housing, I want to say, about five, ten years ago. These huge complexes. I don't know how many stories, but you know, Stanford doesn't have that many students overall. You know, undergrad. I don't know if it's. Uh, I may be getting this wrong. Is it four thousand? Something like that, or, or it could be six or seven. But I don't think it's more than seven. And it may be like six or seven undergrad or six or seven thousand grad. Um, but they did build a lot of housing. Well, but, I, I, yeah, you know, I don't know as far as the numbers, you know, and they might just be one of these, you know, because they're an elitist, you know, they're one of the top 10 of these uh, huge uh, dormitories for their students and also for grad students, for married uh, um, couples, uh, families, even for like the coaches, uh, you know, it's so expensive to live around here and. You know, so they want to be able to attract like, you know, football, basketball coaches. So they built like housing for them. But, you know, like you said on on some of your earlier um, podcasts about how, you know, like some things just don't pass the eye test. And you know, I go through Stanford a lot. You know, I either walk, I go for a walk, sometimes I jog, um, or I drive through the campus and you just don't see that many students. Now, some of that might be that they're doing more online. Maybe they're having some more online classes um, or, or they just maybe some kids are, our students are taking, you know, a gap year uh, and extending that maybe. Uh, I don't see as many students on campus. Um, I mean, I'm talking about when they were, you know, like a month ago, two months ago when, you know, there was in, in the last semester. Um, it, it looked kind of bare to me. So, but, you know, Stanford's one of those elitist you know, top 10 type schools where they might still attract, um, you know, uh, the, the number of applicants that they normally receive. They might have to lower their standards a little bit to keep up their enrollment. Um, but what I am noticing, though, is that definitely the, the public schools in my area in Palo Alto, 
the numbers are, are way down. Um, so like there, it's like the middle school that my kids attended, the enrollment per class is down almost 40% from 400 per class. That's sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. That's 400 per class to 250 from the twenty from this past school year to the uh, upcoming school year. Wow. And, yeah, and, and you know they're in the process of recruiting. Uh, I was trying to bring in more kids from outside the district, and like you, you know, I love that. I think that's great news. Yeah, because uh, uh, I, I want more more school. And, well, I, I don't know if I really want this, but in some ways, I I really don't even mind if they have school lockdowns or mandates or mask mandates at the public schools because that's just going to drive more kids out of out of the government schools and and into homeschooling uh, or, or or other options <laughs> so you know if they want to you know if they want to harm themselves by imposing you know more uh, online or distance learning by locking down or by trying to force masking again or vax mandates they're, they're going to lose another maybe 20 percent 30 percent and i don't know how they're going to survive after that and i hope they don't yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, if they're foolish yeah. enough to do it again, then yeah. they deserve exactly what they have coming. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. They have, they have yeah. no idea what they're doing to themselves. It's remarkable. I, yeah. Hey, Sean, I remember that you asked me a question. It was by email. It was one of your, um, I think it was one of your listeners sent it to you. They sent you an email about something going on at Caltech. Right. About the, the students leaving the summer because of the, you know, because they're tired of the weekly COVID tests. Mm -hmm. They don't want to take them. And then, and, and so they're, so Caltech is bringing in or accepting illegals. Right. Um, you know, I, I want to say, I think you could have gotten some, possibly some fake news on that. Okay. Um, just because, well, first of all, you know, these elite top 10, top 20 private universities, you know, like Caltech, like Stanford, Harvard, you know, they have almost no or, or very limited summer school offerings to begin with. Um, and then, and second, you know, like, you know, I, I've never really heard of an illegal alien having any trouble getting into higher ed or, or K through, or K through 12. Um, so I, I don't think that being an illegal alien is any, is any barrier to, um, uh, enrollment right. and um, you know, and the, and the thought of Cal, Caltech students protesting weekly COVID or weekly PCR tests, you know, I mean, they, they're all they're the type that are all too willing to get the nasal or and there were the uh, you know swap and um, so if they're protesting the PCR tests, then I think we won. Uh, but I have a hard time believing that um I, I, but i think the one place where something similar is taking place is is in the military uh where we are definitely we're definitely losing a lot of uh, a lot of our soldiers a, a lot of our military personnel but more because of the vaccines I, I don't know what's going on with their pcr testing in the military but but we're definitely losing um a, a lot of the um uh, military because of the vaccine um uh, requirements it's like a standing order there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we last spoke, was it like six months ago? Maybe it was like early January or December? I believe so, yeah. And again, I, I appreciate the emails as uh, well. I mean, they've, they've oh, yeah, been incredible. Sure, 
Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, something I think is interesting and might that I think you might be interested in. I try to send it your way. And you know me, I'm a freedom guy. I mean, nothing irritates me more than that damn face diaper, that slave mask. And I don't know what what it's like out there now in uh, June 2022, but there's still a lot of mask wearing going on here, even with no mask mandates. Yeah, you know, um, you know, with the mask. I'd say the uh, the mask wearing percentage it dropped a little bit, but the one thing I notice is that the people wearing the masks still they're wearing more of the N95 um, respirators. Yes. Or yeah, you know, and that's and, and those things are brutal, and, and they're still garbage. They don't do anything as far as trying to uh, prevent viruses. Assuming assuming there are viruses, um, I mean, you still see the surgical mask and the cloth mask, but. Definitely among those that are still wearing it, I'm seeing I'm seeing a, a greater percentage of either that N95 or that cheap Chinese knockoff, the uh, the KN95. Uh, I mean, I saw a driver wearing N95 in the car. In the car, I see that almost every day, and, I, I, and sometimes you know with the windows down, I guess they don't want to use the AC. Um, let me tell you something funny that happened over the weekend. I saw these two cyclists or bicyclists. They were wearing um, not a cycling helmet, but the motorcycle helmet. It was it's a full motorcycle helmet, and you know that has a face shield, right? Yeah. The, the motorcycle helmet. So I'm guessing that's why they wore the the motorcycle helmet because you know regular bicycle helmets have no face shields. And the other weird thing about about that was uh, or about them was that they were cycling on the left side of the road against traffic, uh, not with traffic. Um, and that's also weird. And my guess there is they didn't want to be near cars at the stoplights. You know, when you, when you stop, when you're, when you're traveling with traffic, the cars are next to you. And because, you know, you can catch COVID right from being too close to a vehicle. So <laughs> they were, they were like on the other side, yeah, they were farther away on the other side of the road. I mean, it's morons, you know, and, I'll tell you the one place where this, where the mask is not going away. I'm sure it's the same uh, where you live is at the doctor's offices and the hospitals. Uh, I took my mom to a doctor's appointment. Well, I scheduled it. I took her there. Um, it was last month with her family practitioner of 20 plus years, and it's the one place that they're still re- required. and And they wouldn't see us because we wouldn't wear a mask. And she had a she had a fall. Um, she had a badly swollen knee, and I didn't think it was fractured, but just you never know. It was really swollen, and she had a nasty cut on her foot. And uh, I mean, I let these people have it, but like you know, my mom also suffers from dementia. I mean, you know, she's like kind of that middle stage or worse. And and honestly, I think Biden is in even better is in better health than my mom. I mean, I don't think my mom could ride a bicycle. Um, and, and couldn't read from a note card. So, I mean, I just give you an idea of where, of where she's at. But, yeah. you know, we, what happened was we walked towards the entrance door, the medical clinic. And first, a nurse let us in without saying anything uh, to me or my mom. And we were maskless. So, so far, you know, so good. But then comes a receptionist. It's like this big, black, fat 40s woman she, she tells us you know you need a mask and i respond no we don't and she's like well you can't be seen without one and i tell her so you're gonna deny my mom medical care 
over a useless and harmless mask. And she's like, well, I'm just following the rules. And, and I tell her, and I go, oh, just following the rules, right? Just doing your job. And she's like, yeah, that's right. And, I, and then I tell her, you know, you'll do anything for a paycheck, won't you? And so she, now she's agitated and says, okay, I'm going to call someone to speak with you. So we're waiting in the lobby. We're inside of the medical clinic. We're in the lobby, maskless, of course. There's maybe one other person that's, that's there, um, one other patient that's in the waiting room. And, and us, it's like no one's there. So then this woman uh, walks over, this other woman walks over. She's got a mask on, of course, um, and she introduces herself as the head nurse. And she goes, you know, hey, masking is required. And I, and I just, I tried to like kind of throw her off a little bit. And I said, oh, so you like wearing a mask, huh? And she goes, no, no, I don't. I said, I think you do. And she goes, really, I don't. And I said, then why are you wearing it? And she said, well, it's the rules. And, and, and there's a pandemic. I'm like, oh, here we go, you know, a pandemic. So you bought into the lies. You're all in, you know. And I and, and I tell her, I was like, well, where's COVID? A pandemic, really? Are most of your relatives dead? Where are all the bodies? And she goes, oh, well, you have your opinion. I'm like, no, it's not an opinion. It's all fact. This is a hoax, and you're brainwashed. And and again, she just says, you have your opinion. And then I say, look at your mask. You know, I, I, I see I see several gaps. You can eat with that thing on. How is that supposed to stop a virus? And then she just kind of gives me this blank stare. And then I say, uh, so you're going to wear that thing forever. You know, and, 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 and I saw are the doctors wearing them. And she goes, yes, they are. And I said, wow, you know, like, um, you know, they never did that before 2020. I'm, I'm really disappointed in them. So I'll, I'll kind of cut to the end now. Um, there was another patient. A female, and she was on her way out, and she stopped, and she was listening in. She kind of saw what was going on, and she spoke up, and she said to me, she goes, you know, there's an urgent care place nearby. If they won't treat you, you can go there. And I kind of really bothered the nurse, and the nurse was like, it's not that we don't want to serve them. And I'm like, save it. You know, we have values. I don't trust you people anymore. And then the nurse goes, well, I have values too. And I say, no, no, you don't. You know, you're not a person of values. You're a person of preferences. I say, and then I said, I said, like you would have gone along with slavery. Um, and then she's like, no, no, we wouldn't have. I said, of course you would. You can't even resist the mask. There's no way you would have stood up to slavery. And then she goes, well, well, you know, I, I came from South Africa and I was opposed to apartheid. And I said, oh, in the 1980s and 90s, yeah, when everyone in the world was opposed to it, right? I said, what about slavery in the 1840s? And she's like, I'm going to call the police if you don't leave. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we left Amazing. after that. Yeah, we we laughed after that, but there was oh, there was a little bit more. There was a little bit more. Uh, somewhere halfway, I, I told the nurse, and I said, "Look, you know, it's not just me; it's others I know. We want nothing to do with your allopathic clinics and hospitals. You know, if I suffer a stroke, I'd rather take my chances at home, where people around me have my best interest. Well, what's the alternative? You know, and, and what is the alternative? If I'm having trouble breathing." You guys will all try to force a mask on me. You'll jam a stick up my nose. And God forbid I come up positive because then you'll sedate me. You'll, you'll, you'll put me on remdesivir and then you'll put me on a ventilator and I'm dead, right? And it's like she had no response to that. And, and then I told her, you know, two and a half years of COVID hysteria and masks. Do you know Spanish flu lasted nine weeks? I mean, you guys are all gone. 
and that, and that was pretty much it. But yeah, it's like it's ridiculous. We, I, I, and I found a um, one of those home, homeopath, or no, natural naturopathic doctors. Uh, I, I found a good naturopathic doctor to look at my mom's knee and at it, and and it worked out. She's doing better now. But good. I mean, I mean, this is where we are. Yeah, I I, I won't do it. No. Good for you, man. Good for you. That that warms my heart. That that was uh that's that's exactly what has to happen. People have to take a stand against these people and stop letting the brainwash, you know, push us around. Yeah, um, yeah, I know cuz I know you had I remember you had a similar experience too where they just wouldn't leave you alone. Yeah. Uh you went in cuz you had that cough and it sounds like you're doing a lot better. Oh yeah. Coming yeah. from that. Yeah, and, that, and that's good. And I know they try to really push you hard to, to to put a mask on just to see them. Yeah, yeah. I said the um, same thing. I said, uh, "Where's the pandemic? Where's where's all the bodies?" And, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think I may have used your line too. And it's perfect. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> right? Where are the bodies? Yeah, I, I think you did say something about you know, there's a pandemic. Like the def, old definition is you know, like. Your relatives are dead, right? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll match you with two stories. Uh, okay. A, a while back, my dad was receiving. Again, this is just sort of one of those examples of of how clearly odd things are and how inconsistent people are, and of course how they're not communicating from office to office. Uh, my dad was receiving these shots in his eye for his retina over the course okay. of a series of probably like the last couple of years. And um, so he, he, he goes into this doctor and he, and he finally says, well, I hope they're not wearing the masks anymore because both my parents, <laughs> I mean, both of them are, are, are not mask wearing people. They're not jabbed. They hate, they, they, they're fully awake. They know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, but he good. would have to wear the mask initially when he, was, when, when he would go into these appointments. So this last time he went, which is probably two months ago, he says before he goes, he tells me, he says, he's not, he's not wearing the mask no matter what. He said, if they kick him out, so be it. He's not doing it. Yeah. It's not happening. Yep. And, and he gets in there, and they said, uh, sir, do you have a mask? And he says, no, I don't, and I'm not going to wear one. And they, and they basically just said, well, okay, you don't have to then, uh, you know, but we might still wear them. And he said, you can, you can do whatever you'd like. He said, but I'm not wearing them anymore. And then, of course, he started telling him about other places that weren't wearing masks. And he oh, said, "And he said, look, no one else in these offices I'm going in are wearing masks. You're it. Like, you're the last stop. And, and again, they just look dejected because they know that they're being tricked. Um, and then what ended up happening was is he goes into the back room and and he meets with the doctor and he brings this up to the doctor and the doctor goes look he goes i totally understand he said we're a team there's a team of five doctors across these these eye doctor offices and he says and we all sat down as a team of five and we all voted as to whether or not we wanted the masks and he said to my dad he said you're looking at the one guy who said we shouldn't be wearing masks ever again he goes, all the other four doctors said we need to keep wearing masks. Yeah. So they have yeah. these voting, yeah. the, you know, these voting <sighs> decisions that they all make. And they're not taking into account what the nurses think. They're not taking into account what the, what the customers and patients think. They're not yeah. taking any of that into account. So they treated him. 
And he left. No mask, nothing. Good for him. And, and, That's great. Yeah. And they looked at him and they said, now just go make a, a regular eye appointment with a regular eye doctor. He walks in and he says, and he tells me again beforehand, he goes, he says, if they make me wear, wear a mask for this basic eye appointment at this other doctor, I'm not doing it. He walks in and they force the mask on him. They said, you oh. have to wear this or else. And he said again, he looked at him and he said, you're the only place forcing masks on people. Yeah. He goes, yeah. I was just at one of your other offices and your doc your doctor thinks it's the doctor that runs this office thinks it's completely ridiculous. No one is on the yeah. same page. And he said then he looked at him and he said, change your policies. And when you do call me and he turned around and he walked out. Yeah. I mean, there Good you go. You. you know, I love your dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my well, mom. Just, and here, here's here's the last one. This is. And again, I've got I've got more questions to ask you, too. Yeah. Again, along these same lines. But my mom just told me this today. And this, again, perfect brainwashing. She was in Kohl's, the department store. Mm -hmm. She's standing in line at the checkout. And there's a woman who's the cash register, you know, individual, the checkout person. Yeah. And she's training. Yeah. She's training a younger girl behind the behind the counter. And there's a there's a skinny lady in her uh, in her sixties, roughly. She said, wearing an N95 mask, who's in who's in line in front of her, and she has two candy bars. She walks oh up, she puts the two candy bars on the counter, and the woman doing the checkout starts coughing into her hand, and mm -hmm. she says she says out loud to the the four people that were there, three four people that were there. She said, "I'm not sick. I'm you know there's just some dust in the air and whatever else." Yeah. The the yeah, woman yeah, the, the woman with the N95 mask in front of my mom tightens her mask and then she, and then she backs I, away and then she looks at the woman who then from coughing in her hand takes uh hands her two candy bars or actually no it was this she said before she grabbed the two candy bars again the woman with the N95 mask looked at the at the the cash register gal, and, yeah. she, and she said, "Can you please use hand sanitizer before you touch my oh candy bars?" Oh my god! Oh my god! You're not <laughs> can you eat the wrapper? Can you imagine I mean, that? No <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I look. I know, wanted. I said to my mom, "I said you should have just leaned forward and told her she has AIDS." Yeah. Just to yeah. make her flip out, you know. But again, well, it's it's people like that. AJ, it's your mental illness. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to make it. They just aren't. No. No, and it's funny because I was talking to my brother yesterday and I said, like, you know, can you imagine like two and a half years ago that we'd still be talking about masks right now? Because like half, at least half the people around here are still wearing them indoors. And he's like, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about another two years, another three years here. You know, um, when, you know, most of the other parts of the state. You don't see as much. Like you go down to San Diego, Orange County. Uh, you go down over like San Bernardino, east of LA, but like San Francisco, the Bay Area here. Oh, it's it's still up in the fifty percent. I mean, I've been places in the last, I want to say, two three weeks where like I felt I was the only maskless person in the store. <laughs> wow. If you can believe that, I, I know can. there are other places in the rest of the country where it's rare almost to see someone wearing a mask still anywhere. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I, I do that a lot. Because uh, I like to go shopping. I do a lot of shopping. I'm not the kind of person that like does like shopping once a week and buys all my stuff. I like to do a little shopping here and there. You know, maybe a few times a week. When I go to like the the grocery store, and if the ca and I try to avoid the cashiers that are wearing a mask, but if they are, and I don't have really uh, another choice as far as shopping, uh, I will 
asked the cashier, I will say, what are you doing? Why are you still wearing it? And in some cases, I've gotten them to take it off. Other times, they really didn't have an answer for me. They didn't have anything. Like, they don't even know why they're wearing it still. And these are young people. Um, and then I just had someone else try to laugh it off. Like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And no, it's not okay. So I get a little confrontational about these things. When I see people, even places that I've been to, um, places that I shopped even during the lockdowns that didn't give me a hard time. Um, I like to go back to those stores and I still see some of the workers wearing them and I'll have a talk with them. And, and some of them know what's coming. Some of them know I'm going to say something and then they start making excuses. No, this is my last day. It's just there's a co-worker here who's like, no, 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 don't save it. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. That thing doesn't work. You're just hurting yourself. You know, you're not going to stop anything with that. If you can breathe, whatever's out there is getting through. Yeah, I don't need to go into like there's no viruses and it's all bullshit and the whole germ theory is, is all garbage. You know, I don't need to get into that, but I will let them know. You know, um, I mean, I haven't taken it to the point where, like, I will not allow anyone to talk to me if they're wearing a mask. But, you know, I'm close to that and I do say things. So, oh, and there's two other places. There's two other places where you will still see the mask. I got two really good stories for you. So my son, he got his driver's license last week. He passed the behind the wheel nice. exam. Yeah, well, he probably should have passed, to be honest, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, he, and he did he did the behind-the-wheel test maskless. The DMV examiner is like this kind of this middle-aged, very obese Hispanic man, uh, but he didn't say anything to my son. And, you know, and the DMV has signs everywhere where, like, you know, you go in there – Okay, there's some people who are maskless, but they always they have all these signs for behind the wheel testing. You must wear a mask. Mask required everywhere, and most people are going along with it. You know, they are they are going along with it. But I did notice that for the there was there was a person behind my son in line, and that person's examiner said, "Where's your mask?" And that person put it on. Um, but you know, really, there's no requirement to wear a mask at the DMV whether inside or during the driving part, despite whatever the signs say. Um, so, but, you know, like, like I said, most of them are still, they're wearing it anyway, or they will go along. And so what's weird is that the person behind us, there was this Middle Eastern guy behind us with four friends in his car. Um, I, I thought that was a little bit weird, too. I mean, who goes to a driving test with four of their friends? You know, they're all they're all support network. I don't know, wow. um, but yeah. And it's funny is the car in front of us. They were they were vaping the whole time inside with the windows <laughs> up. So I don't know what the how the examiner appreciated that or not. It must have smelled in there. But uh, but I had but this was my plan. If the DMV examiner, if the examiner had given my son a hard time about the mask, I did have a plan, and I talked it over with my son. That you know, if we get if we get a mask hole examiner, we're going to do the following. I'm going to be the one that does the talking, even though my son he felt comfortable raising the arguments. I just thought it'd be better if I did it than you know my son getting involved. And then if he prevails, I don't want the examiner holding that against him during the actual test. So, but my response would have been: first of all, my son does not wear a mask. And if the examiner had insisted, I would have said, "Show me the written policy." Sign on the wall means nothing. Okay, sign on the wall is not policy. That's just shorthand. Show me the actual written policy. And I actually had a copy with me, but I wanted him to actually pull it out and put it in my hand. And if the if he if the examiner continued 
resisting or going against me, I would have just said, find another examiner who doesn't mind sitting next to a maskless driver. And if that failed, we would have just scheduled another DMV, uh, an appointment at like a different DMV office, maybe someplace like in a redder part of the state. But like the two things that my son was not going to do, he was not going to put on a mask and he was not going to invoke an, uh, uh, one of those exemptions. And I'm really at the point, I've been this way for over a year now. I, I don't even like using exemptions. Um, I, I just think that's kind of a, a well, kind of a chicken wave trying to deal with the situation instead of taking it head on. Um, I don't think it should be invoked. I know some people do it. They'll say, well, I, you know, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a medical condition or something, and I've done that before in the past, but I just think we need to move on. We need to get past that. Just know. Um, yeah. And, he, and I was joking around, but, um, you know, he really shouldn't have passed the test. <laughs> just, he, uh, he hit the curb when oh, he was wow. doing, you know, when you, there's a portion of it. He told me this. He goes, yeah. You know, when there's a portion where the examiner will ask you to, um, park the car like pull to the side and then back it up in reverse well he hit the curb in reverse and right after that when you pulled back onto the street from the curb he almost hit another car and he got honked from the <laughs> this other driver so he thought for sure he was gonna fail but he but he passed <laughs> wow okay so yeah yeah we're still um you know we're, we're still he's still practicing we're still but you know um i don't know he could have been a little bit nervous i, I don't know uh, you know i think uh last time last time we spoke uh, i mentioned that uh i was representing these protesters um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you. So we had the trial. Oh, nice. So just get, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. It's really interesting. And so courts are, again, the, another place where they require, they say they require the mask. So if you remember um, that I was representing these protesters who got ticketed for, uh, for obstructing traffic, you know, they were, they were protesting at night in front of a school board member's house because the school board would not allow in-person board meetings, you know, and, a, and the public could not comment online either. I mean, well, they could, but only the friendly commenters or the friends got called on. So um, uh, let me tell you what happened before the trial, though, which is also interesting. It's, it's about their mask policy. Um, so we, uh, we arrived um, outside outside the courthouse, um, and this was in Pismo Beach, which is about three hours south of where I live. Uh, and so I'm with my three clients, and um, they're all charged with the, with the uh, that vehicle code for obstructing traffic. So we approach the entrance outside the courthouse, and the guard comes to sign us in, uh, and then and then he tells us, uh, "Well, you guys have to wear a mask." I said. We don't wear masks. And then he goes, well, okay, I'm going to get the bailiff. So he goes out and goes back in. The bailiff comes, the, whatever, the deputy sheriff. And and they say, um, well, it's the rules. You know, that's what the bailiff says. And and I said, well, I insisted. Show me the show me the order. You know, I, I, you know, and he wanted me to look it up. He said, oh, well, you can look it up online. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to look it up on my phone. I want it in my hand. So, um, and then he goes, well, you can, you can go on Zoom. You can do this on Zoom. I said, no, 
we're not doing this on Zoom. We're here. We want to appear uh, in, in person in front of the judge. So then this bailiff tries to get my clients to fire me. And wow. like, I'm, yeah, he, he says that my, oh, he, he tries to assure my clients that my behavior is, um, you know, is, it, it just hurts or helps no one. It's just, it's hurting my clients. And my clients, de- de- you know, they declined. And then the bailiff, he finally, he finds the order and he prints it out. Um, you know, it's only about like maybe two inches of text. <laughs> you know, and it was adopted in spring of 2020. So about 30 seconds after he hands it to me, I tell the bailiff, oh, yes, look, right here. It says right here that any officer of the court can waive this policy at any time. Uh, and then he's like kind of dumbfounded, whatever. I don't think he's ever read it before. I don't think anyone in the county has ever read that order. So within five minutes, the judge waves the policy and lets us into the courtroom. So, you know, I, I think that was that was a victory itself. Just no getting joke. into the courtroom, maskless. All my clients were maskless. The two police officers who ticketed my clients who showed up, they were both in they were both wearing a mask. <laughs> um so we're at the trial, okay, and, and these are three separate cases. I did make a motion to consolidate all three because I thought the facts were the same, but the judge would allow it. It probably turned out to be a good thing. So, you know, the officer takes the stand. Um, they go first. It was a little bit weird, too, because, you know, I'm not a trial. First of all, I'm not a trial attorney, although I've had some trials. I'm not really a trial attorney. I'm more of an in-house, intellectual property, patents, contracts. That, that, that's my, my, my forte. I don't spend much time, you know, in a courtroom. Um, but, you know, the last two, two and a half years has gotten me to do things that I didn't do in the past, you know. And so if I have to defend people who are protesting lockdowns or protesting some other school board issues, I will do it. Um, anyway, so the, the the officer, the main guy, he takes the stand. Um, he said that, you know, my my my, uh, my clients, they were they were yelling and and, and beating on drums in, in front of this residential house in this residential area um, and that you know that they were that they, you know they were in the middle of the street they were blocking traffic you know and there are no sidewalks on the street and he did he did say that um, and he just said that they were basically they were obstructing traffic and um, he said that he noticed several vehicles approached and that they had to slow down or that they would strike the pedestrians, which was not true. And there was even some body cam uh, video that we watched. It didn't show anything like that. So, and then he cited the, he cited the vehicle code and then the off and then the court asked the officer some questions also like, you know, did they have a permit? Um, you know, how long, how long did this, or what was the duration of the violation? How long did it last? And the officer said about 45 minutes total. Um, and then uh, I, I forget. Oh, he said he did say something about how he had seen this group before and warned them not to do this. Uh, so, you know, they had a little prior encounter. Um, and then anyway, I uh, then it was my turn. Um, it was, it was my turn to talk. And I first, I moved for a directed verdict, <laughs> um, uh, because I, I said that the, um, the officer had not met his burden, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt and, but it was denied. So then I start to cross examine, um, I start to cross examine the, uh, uh, the officer. And I ask, I said, you know, who, who were the, who were the complaining witnesses? And he, he goes, well, there were several residents who complained. Uh, he didn't know their names. He didn't have any specific addresses. Um, and they all requested to remain anonymous. And I said, 
do you know the reason? Okay, so then I said, do you know the reason why the, um, you know, the uh, the motorist stopped? He goes, well, you know, so so they would not, so that sort of avoid a collision with pedestrians, you know, which is good defensive driving. I said, you know, isn't it possible that the few drivers that were in the area at the time, is it possible they could have stopped because they wanted to hear what was going on? and hear what my clients and the other protesters when the protesters were saying you know well you know i think that's possible there's lots of possibilities you know i said well you know um i asked the officer i said did you get the license plates or the make or model of any of the vehicles that could have caused a collision with my clients he goes well i did not get the license plates um based on my body cam i think there was like some suvs but i said don't you think that would be important to have you know in a police report don't you think you'd want to include those details, like the make and model of the vehicle that was obstructed? And you don't even have any names of complaining witnesses, and you can't even tell me that any of the drivers complained. You said it came from a, you know, from a residential address. And so after after that, um, I called the other officer because in his police report, the second officer, he didn't even talk about like any vehicles being obstructed so i asked him about that and he goes and i said you know wouldn't that be important and he said well he did see vehicles obstructed and i said well, why was that not in the report and he goes well because the other officer covered that so yeah i mean and then um isn't that uh, the, I, I hate to interrupt real quick but isn't, no, 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 no. i just have a quick question isn't that yeah. worse isn't that basically worse than hearsay because he's essentially making things up and he, he, and he doesn't not, have yeah. the names or information of things that he's making up. Well, true. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the judge was there and the judge didn't, uh, you know, I, I did try to um, alert the judge to that by the kind of follow up questions I asked. Um, I could tell the judge was kind of leaning to help them a little bit because they didn't have counsel and I was an attorney, although I'm not a trial attorney. But, yeah, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. I agree. Um, yeah, sh- I mean, well, shouldn't he have that in some kind of a police report? The names, addresses, and actual written statements of what people were complaining they're, about. They're supposed to. Yeah, I, I, you would think. And then the other thing about the second officer that that I was cross examining is that he did. He said on in the police report he wrote that my clients were on the edge of the roadway on the roadside and i asked him about that he said well they were causing oncoming vehicles to have to have to alter their path you know i said so then you know so basically in your view i I said no one could be on a street is that right is that your position no one could be on a street or in a roadway no pedestrian can um uh, so basically anyone who's on the street would violate the vehicle code he goes well standing in the same it's standing in the same position, not yielding, blah, blah, blah. You know, I said, well, what about joggers, bicyclists, walkers, anyone walking on the street? They would also violate the code. And then I asked him, I said, provide me an example of someone who would not have violated the code if they were standing on the edge of the roadway, you know, standing roadside. Um, and I'm basically saying to him, you know, does that mean no one could be on the street? And he goes, no, it doesn't. I said, well, okay, then tell me, who could lawfully be on the road? You know, if being on the edge of the road is a violation, how could someone be on the road without violating the code? He goes, oh, are you asking for examples? I said, yeah. He goes, well, someone, I guess, exiting their vehicle when, <laughs> when proceeding to move into their residence. Wow. Uh, I, I, think, see, I think that would be a violation. 
And then I and then after and I and I said, but would they not be on the edge of the roadway? And um, I he said something like, you know, well, that's different than standing right? <laughs> not yielding right away. I said, so they would basically have to crawl out of their car. If they, if, if they were not allowed to stand anyway, he kind of went a little bit back and forth. Um, he did make up some things that were really inconsistent with what he wrote and some things that he wrote that made no sense. Uh, but basically at the end, um, we kind of went back and forth a little bit. My client, and the judge sided against, against me in that first trial. He was like against the guy who was the kind of like, the leader of the group um but my other two clients won and i got their cases dismissed but they got the main guy and i think that's who they really wanted um but we we appealed so it's it so i i appealed um that one case and so i'll have to let you know how that goes but my other two clients did win because the officers conceded they were not blocking traffic that they stayed on the side of the road um, so it's, I mean, it's all, it's all BS because, you know, all those black lives matter protesters, they were out in the same city. What, like a year before that, after the George Floyd, um, uh, riots or during the George Floyd riot, none of them got charged with obstructing traffic or vehicle code. You know, I think they really want to just send a message, um, to of my course. clients. They yeah. just didn't like them, you know? They just didn't like them. Even these um, Roe v. Wade protests where they're shutting down highways. I mean, I'm not seeing yeah. any of these people get arrested. Yeah, I don't uh, – I'm not seeing that either. I, I don't know what – yeah. You know, I mean, if there were – imagine if there was like this, you know, so-called white supremacist group out there doing that. Oh, it, it'd, it'd be a whole other story. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. Wild. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and yeah, what a waste so, of time. What a waste of judicial time and taxpayer money. I mean, man. Oh, yeah. As far as like, as far as this case. Of as far course. As the, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they want to try to make an example and we're not, you know, we're not going to back down. So the one case we lost, we're going to appeal that. Um, and so, and, you know, it's fun. It's, it's kind of fun. You know, my, my client really trusts me. We're, we're kind of in this together. I believe in their cause. They, and so, um, if, if nothing else, we just get in maskless is a victory <laughs> for us. No kidding. So, yeah. That's you know, very cool. Really, and I haven't really kept up, you know, I know I had, I told you, I don't really want to get into any work because it's not a case, but I did have my own case about with my son's mask exemption and, and lost that a couple of times. I haven't really been following as much the COVID litigation cases, but the one thing I, I have noticed, and, it, and, and this is also, I think this is crazy too, but like if you're the parent of a child at a school with a disability, and let's say the school board moves from universal indoor masking to optional masking, the disabled students, they have a better chance of winning at court to stop the optional, the, the now optional mask policy. And they can reinstate universal masking compared to people like us who try to enjoy forced masking, you know? So like, you know, so for example, like if, if say the governor, if they end the state mask mandate and the schools are, are, are forced to drop it or they drop on their own, 
And a group of parents with disabled kids, they can sue to block the repeal of the mask mandate. They'll argue like, oh, well, you know, the ADA requires masking. And oh, and the other argument is that, and you know, okay, there might be some validity to this, but other argument is that they'll say, well, school boards have local control and they can set their own mask mandates. The governor cannot interfere. But the whole thing with the ADA requiring masking, and I think you even brought it up and you made a great point. You said anytime a teacher wears a mask, they're basically violating someone's IEP, somebody that has. Absolutely. Uh, Right, I think you said that, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a while, while ago. It was about like you know kids that might have a speech impediment or that need to read lips, uh, have trouble hearing. Anytime that teacher puts that mask on, that's a violation. But they don't they don't think about it like that, and I don't think the attorneys on the other side even make that argument. No one, no one's thought about it. It's it really is one of the larger abominations that that went on within K twelve schools, and, and again, in particular within special education classes, because every single teacher violated the law. They broke the law, and every yeah. single administrator. Again, you reverse time just a few years ago before all the mass nonsense. If any administrator would have done that, they'd have lost their jobs. They just said you can't yeah. you can't have teachers and students doing this because as I'm sure you even know a recommendation isn't law. You're right. I mean, I You're can right. look at somebody and say, "Look, we're going to go on a really long walk. My recommendation is you wear comfortable shoes, not flip-flops." That's not yeah. law. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just yeah, a good, that, it's just a recommendation. Yeah. You know, that that was a great point you made, really about uh, not just about with the IEP but just that mandates are not law. And you even looked it up in Black's Law, yeah. the definition, that it was it, it was more voluntary. Yeah. You know? um, oh, and the other the other kinds of the other kind of case that I'm also noticing in area of COVID is like if you have here's another one. Uh, if you have uh, let's say you have elderly elderly parents that are that are living in a uh, in a nursing home or care facility and they either die or they get sick with covid you could bring a lawsuit for damages that the nursing home didn't do enough to protect the patients from covid like not wearing proper uh, ppe you know the personal protective equipment or not using it consistently you know, oh, well, they're not all wearing masks uh, 100% of the time, or they weren't wearing gloves, or using hand sanitizer, or wearing, like, you know, the gowns or the aprons that they're supposed to wear. <laughs> so yeah, I'm seeing those cases. Those are uh, have, you know, plaintiffs in those cases have been successful. And then the other one where I told you before with the kids who have disabilities, with their parents saying, no, 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 you can't have optional masking. Everyone has to wear a mask because my kid has a disability. <laughs> No. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. You know, yeah. I wanted to tell you about my son's homeschool experience also, if, if that's. Go I for know, it. Absolutely. If, if yeah. But before I actually get into like, and it, and it was great. Like you said, uh, no one ever regrets um, when <laughs> homeschooling, you know, when they leave the, the public schools or yeah. the private schools, no one ever regrets. Let me tell you something. And before I actually get into like his curriculum and what he did, and it's really amazing. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about kind of the social part of it. Like, uh, his, you know, because, you know, he's, he's on school, he's not with his friends and, and really he stopped being friends with the friends he was with, like kind of like, um, around the time when he imposed the lockdowns. L let me tell you that kind of things that, 
he's done socially to try to meet other kids and some of the things that have happened. Um, so like, you know, and cause we were new to this, um, and he was a senior, he was starting a senior year in high school. Uh, so he tried meeting up with like other homeschool kids. Uh, and you know, sometimes like during the day they, they would meet up or other times on weekends and sometimes, it, and you'd be, you'd have to meet up with kids that were like maybe, you know, 20 or 30 miles away. Um, there was like this group of kids that he met, um, because, well, they, they had like a homeschool dance party or something and I took my kids too and they really enjoyed it. And then he met the kids that are at, at, in Half Moon Bay, which is on the beach. About, it's like a 30-minute drive from Palo Alto. Uh, you know, it didn't end really well. Um, like, you know, he tried uh, – you know, so they got together. You know, they had lunch together. They walked around, whatever. You know, that was all good. And then he tried entering a public library. And the librarian told them that they had to mask and offered them each a mask. And my son, he spoke up. He said, no, put that away. And the other kids were kind of shocked and didn't know what to do. You know, and some started even reaching for a mask. And my son grabbed the box and he threw it in the trash and, and called the woman a fat bitch. Uh, okay. But, and then the other kids just kind of hurried out. And they turned on him wow. and, and said it was uncalled for and you're out of order. And they took the side of the library and the library is just doing her job. And so my son turned into a bad guy for, you know, upholding his values, refusing to mask. And the woman who wanted to mask all the kids, well, she's just doing her job. So he never met with them again, but he actually, we found this one conservative evangelical church in San Jose, Calvary. Now, now I, I respect them because they never locked down. They never imposed masks on their congregants, and they never locked down. They always stayed open, and they fought the county the whole way. The county even sued them, and and and, and they countered and fought back. So we, what we found out was that every Friday night, they had like a, a special kind of get-together event for teens, and my son was interested. So I just – I'd drop him off and then pick him up like you know two or three hours later. Um, at, at these events, um, yeah, he, he did meet some really good kids. I, that he enjoyed talking with, and they were conservative, most of them. Um, the youth pastor of the church would show up. He would give a talk at the beginning, and then the students would like get into breakout groups, and then they would discuss the talk, the pastor's talk. And then the rest of the evening, you know, they'd be socializing, maybe playing games like pool or table tennis, and then they had like basketball courts. And so my son really liked it at the beginning, and then. The last, and this is the last time my son went. The, the pastor then, on, on the, I think it was, yeah, it was the last time he went. Oh, well, actually, let me, let me back up a little bit. There was, a, there was like one of the earlier talks. He talked about how global warming, climate change was a hoax. That was awesome. My son loved that. That was not based on real science. But the last time my son attended, which was about like six weeks ago, I want to say six, six seven weeks ago, what happened was the youth pastor remarked on Jewish persecution. And, that, and, and he said, to in front of the kids that the Jews are the chosen people. Wow. And my and my son was he was he was rightfully offended and angered by that comment. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's one of the great falsehoods, you know, along with Jesus being a Jew. Um, but you know, unfortunately that feeling is, is really strongly entrenched throughout um, Christian churches, evangelicals. You know, how are people who rejected Christ, how 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 they can be God's chosen people among the Christians? It really boggles the mind um i mean that's just another another lie um uh, oh, oh yeah and the other lie is that they're you know that, that they're the israelites but you know that's not true 
And, and just, I mean, imagine if Christians claimed that they were God's chosen people, you know, which they can. Uh, they, they'd be roundly condemned as supremacists and worse. And, and you know, and, and, and the pastor could have talked about centuries of Christian persecution. But I'll say what really bothered me is that this pastor looked at these young Christian teens in the eye and he told them that they were not chosen and by implication that they're lesser human beings. Uh, I mean, I think this this brainwashed pastor should be smacked upside the head for making, you know, kind of offensive and, and ignorant statements. You know, and look, I have no issues with a rabbi telling his young Jewish congregants that they're the chosen people. I, I mean, I would expect him to say that at, at a synagogue. But for a Christian pastor, for, for a Christian pastor that, to tell young Christian teens that they're not chosen, that these other people are, I, I, that, that's wrong. Uh, and, oh, I, my son came in. He's like, I'm not ever coming back here again. You know, I said, well, well what happened? He, they, you know, and he told me the story that I just told you. Um, he, he wanted nothing to do with them. I, I, I told a friend who attends that church about that and knows that pastor. And a friend was going to look into it, but I, I, I never heard back. But and look, I don't want to turn this into like a religious discussion because I'm not prepared to do it. But just, I'm just want to tell you a little bit about. You know, some of these experiences when you try to find conservative groups or groups that might share your values. Um, yeah, you can say, well, you know, I just tell them, you know, maybe that was the one talk. That was the one chosen people talk he gave for the year. He's not going to talk about that again. You met other good kids there. Why not, you know, give it a try? Um, he just he just said, I can't go back anymore. I, that pastor is going to be there every time. I said, well, you could even ask pastor about that you confront him about that um what what, what, he, an, uh, what an astute observation from your son yeah i mean that's fantastic and and i mean there's so much to there's so much to dive in 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 that just one experience but i mean yeah. uh wow i i don't even I, I, I don't even know where to start on that one yeah, you know, it's it, and there is a little bit of the, well, you know, are we going to write off every conservative group because they don't, we don't see eye to eye with them on everything? No, but I think that's kind of a big one when yeah. you're out saying things like that. Um, I, I tried to talk to him. I said, you know, maybe, you know, still go there. If you don't want to skip that, kind of skip the part where he, the pastor gives his little sermon or talk, you know, you can skip that and then just talk with the kids you like. Um uh, but he just, he just couldn't do it. It wasn't in him anymore. It wasn't in him anymore. And I know he wasn't looking for an out because he really enjoyed going to these things. Yeah. But, you know, overall he did. Uh, anyway, putting that aside, he did have a great uh, homeschool experience. I mean, he, um, um, I, I, you know, it's like, it's like, that's like one of the major benefits of being homeschooled was that, you know, unlike the rest of the years he spent in government schools, you know, he was able to actually focus on, on what he was interested in, you know, rather than being forced into that, you know, that whole one size fits all curriculum from the, from the government schools. That's, that's turned really weird. Uh, he loved the freedom. He read, I mean, he read at least 30 or 40 books from like Murray Rothbard's Man, Economy and State, which is a 1500 page book. He read Human Action from Ludwig von Mises. Uh, he entered a couple writing contests uh, for like some Ayn Rand books. Uh, and he just enjoyed, he loved learning again, loved reading. Uh, he did the whole, um, for, for calculus, for BC, for AP, BC calculus, he did the, uh, the Khan Academy curriculum and, and did all the assignments, took the tests and did really well. 
uh, you know, and he even he he even um, he posted something about his homeschool. I want to just kind of read from his words, if that's okay. Sure. About his, he, he, uh, it's just it's just a few small paragraphs, uh, short paragraphs. He said, he goes, my educational journey was like most others prior to 2020. Uh, I didn't really think much about the concept of education, though I didn't like government schools due to poor quality teachers and lack of interest in what I was learning. At the time, I thought it was tolerable enough to endure and that everyone else goes through it. So it's just part and parcel of, of, of life, of living. Uh, and I'm still quoting from him. Um, my feelings towards school started to change, however, and it made me start to ask about what opportunities I have regarding schooling as soon as the lockdowns began. For the rest of my second semester at that time, which was spring 2020, I was hardly assigned anything to learn. Looking back at the event, I hardly remember what I did during that time. Though it got better in the next year when everything was finally moved on to Zoom, it still was awful compared to the in-person learning of the year before. School was already pretty bad, so moving it online didn't do anything for for its already abysmal record. It was at this. It was at that point, coupled with the fact that they were going to start to get kids to go back to person to in-person learning with mask mandates that I decided to switch to homeschooling. Since then, every time I've looked back at that choice, I've thought of it as one of the best decisions I've ever made. Not only uh, have it has it surpassed the online learning experience I had last year, but it's well easily surpassed my in-person learning experience from all of the years beforehand. I've been able to get so much done in such little time, reading great books and getting tons of college credit. Um, so that's that's from him. He did, and one thing I want to, I don't know if you're familiar, Sean, with these, what are called these CLEP exams. I've heard about them. Yes. It, it, uh, it rings a bell. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know about them. He found out, my son found out about them. And they're basically, uh, you know, like, okay, so, so a lot of teenage kids, you know, school, you know, they, they might, well, I think they would be interested in this. And so mo- most people, they already know about like, you know, the basic ways, how you, how you save money and time, you know, such as like you could go to community college or you could take AP exams. So there's, they're like AP exams, but a lot of people have not heard of these CLEP exams, which are, it's called, it stands for college level examination programs. And, and you know, so that as the name implies, you get college credit upon passing them. And they're 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 um, they're administered by the College Board. That's the same company that does the uh, AP exams, and the, and the test also covers like a wide variety of subjects, like you know, like that the AP covers from like natural and social sciences, mathematics, history, composition, literature, business, all that. And a typical CLEP exam might cost about one hundred twenty dollars, but once you take it, and you can take it just about any time, even if you fail, you can take it again. And it's pretty; it's not really that hard to pass. You get anywhere from like three to six to nine college credits and most colleges and universities accept CLEP credit. So my son, he took and passed something like 15 or 16 CLEP exams. He also did like three AP exams. He has like 70 or 72 college credit, which he earned during his senior year in high school. He's, he's, he's going to start, 
he's going to start his his freshman year in college. He's going to go to college in in Florida. He's going to be starting off basically as a junior, even though it's his first year. So he already got two years out of way. He saved me. <laughs> saved me a lot of money. But yeah, I, I hadn't even heard about it. And you get you get college credit like you would for an AP exam, and most most schools will will accept them. Um, so anyway, it's just something. Something that parents, I'm sure you, I know you have a lot of parents who are listening who have teenage kids, something to definitely look into. It's Col- really yep. easy. College-level yeah. examination programs. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. It, That's great. It, and if you're homeschooling, you could even use, like, the college exam, that the CLEP exam as, like, a class almost. So, like, you know, if you do, like, the English, um, like, the English literature, uh, if you take the English literature uh, or humanities test that could like even be your your um, your homeschool course one of your homeschool courses um, so that's another way to kind of think about it um, you brilliant. know my, my son did yeah sorry go ahead no, I was just gonna say that's brilliant advice brilliant yeah and it's on you just do it online oh and it's proctored so there's like somebody watching you and you know they'll like have you turn your computer and if they see something on the wall or something they'll ask you to take it down and so you're like there's somebody watching you while you're taking the exam um so you know they have uh they're just trying to prevent cheating and that but uh, anyway uh yeah it's just something it's just something for parents to keep in mind and, and any other teenagers out there that might be listening um yeah so you know as i said my son did really well um you know like for english uh, like he, he, he read a lot of books and he also entered those two, I told you about those two, um, essay contests on the Ayn Rand, um, on Ayn Rand books. Uh, he read like, you know, he read, he read a lot of books. Um, he read like, you know, a lot of things from like these Austrian economic, um, uh, authors. Uh, you know, he had a PE class, PE nutrition. He ran seven days a week um, for about an hour, hour and a half a day. He never missed a day. He did some weightlifting and bodylifting on the side. He lost a lot of weight. Uh, he looks really good now. He was overweight before. Um, he cooked a lot of healthy meals. That's a class. Um, history. He read a lot of books that you would not, that you would never allow in the public schools. <laughs> they learned so much about history from like, you know, the colonial times, and like the revolution times, um, you know, like, uh, I mean, there's just like books called like nullification, a critique of war, you know, betrayal of the American right. Uh, and he also took a class, uh, a course that he made himself, history of economic thought, I uh, read like a lot of the top like free market and Austrian economic um, uh, authors. He must have read like 10, 15 books for that course. And then he, and then he had a course in economics. He read like another 10 or 15 books. Um, and then even his driver's education. Okay, so that was another class. He, he studied and passed the California Learner's Permit exam. Um, did some behind the wheel uh, instructional driving uh drove with us sometimes drove with an with an actual instructor uh so that's that's another class and i told you he did the ap um calculus bc calculus class uh, online he did that using khan academy so i mean that was his his homeschooling curriculum And, and again he loved it um so We'll see. We'll see what happens this coming year when he when he attends college. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. I mean, I can already 
just so awesome. I love it. I love it. It makes me feel so good hearing all that. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it's just it. it's remarkable. Like, he sounds, I mean, he's, he's going to be in charge of humans in the future, and I love it. I mean, either that or he's just going to run his own show because he clearly doesn't sound like someone who suffer fools gladly. And I love it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's like, you know, around here, and and it's kind of like something I was talking about, you know, like in schools around here, um, one of the big things, and you, you know about this, it's like the whole pronoun, the whole pronouns thing. Like, um... You know, like the first day of school, or in the first semester, your first week of school, during like student introductions, like students will pair up. And the first thing they'll ask each other is, what are your pronouns? Oh, my God. You know, my daughter's still in public schools. And so I don't know about this coming year. We're still working on that. I'm having her meet a lot of homeschooling kids and we're doing activities with the homeschoolers. She might not be going to public school anymore. It's, it's a little touchy issue, but we're working on that. But she's... I mean, she hates that. She was telling me about how, like, that's, like, what people talk about. Uh, in, like, her PE class, uh, she got paired up with this one girl. And, again, the girl asked, well, what are your pronouns? Like, my daughter's like, what, what are you asking? You know, and, like, what are yours? And, and then the teacher comes up to my – the teacher, like, the PE teacher comes up to my daughter, like, near the end of class goes, that girl you were talking to, what was her pronouns? Was it she, her? And my daughter goes, no, I think it was they, them. <laughs> it's like <laughs> – what kind, of, what kind of conversation is this? Honest to yeah. God. Oh, uh, man, you know, and all, all the kids are vaxxed, too, and all our friends are, and, you know, it's like, and so a lot of them are boosted. That's why they've had, like, three shots. Like, her high school soccer team, a lot of the girls were out sick. So they had about 18 girls that made the team, and for most games, though, only about 11 showed up, sometimes 10 or 9. And they played games where there was like 9 against 11 with no subs. A couple of the girls were out for the year, not because of like a broken arm or an ACL tear, but because they were sick and throwing up all the time. And like my daughter's friends, I said that, you know, they're all backs and they're getting sick a lot. And I don't know if the kids just seem lazier. They're just not getting as much work done. You know, they're copying off each other a lot. You know, and look, I don't know if that's if it's just kind of a little normal slack off in high school. But, you know, I don't know if the jab might have something to do with that. Wouldn't surprise me. You know, if you're not feeling good. It's hard to get work done. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. got it's got to be happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's really it's really sad though hearing like even some some like these stories. Like we ran into a friend, we were out walking. My wife and I like to go on walks at night, and we ran into um, this this one friend of our my friend of my wife's. And I was asking her, I was asking, how did your daughter, you know, how did she handle like the lockdowns in school? Wow. And she, and the, the friend said it, it was awful. Um, you're not going to lie. This is that game. It's, this is really sad. Like this girl who's, who's in my daughter's class, uh, when they were at home doing the distance learning on Zoom, the girl had no friends and she was so bored that she started texting herself on the phone and then she would respond back to herself on a computer oh my god oh that's terrible right wow i've never heard i've never even heard of something like that i haven't either yeah i haven't either and it's just depressing you know just to hear hear that where are the parents 
Well, so this this parent is has not is not going to wake up anytime soon. They're just not going to. I mean, they weren't worried. She wasn't wearing a mask, but like, you know, when I asked her about how 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 did school go this past year, she's like, oh, didn't do very well. I said, well, what do you mean? She got two. She got two Bs. I'm like, those were in honors classes, right? So they really count as A's. No, they're B's. And then, you know, and, and, and this woman's Chinese, okay? And my wife goes, God, you're such a tiger mom. Uh, and then the friend goes, well, she's not going to get into top schools. And I say, oh, wow. I, I, and I said this to her, I said, why is getting into a top college so important? Don't you know what, what these schools around here like Stanford are doing to the students? They're forcing them to wear a mask. They're forcing them to take the vaccine and the booster. They're doing weekly nasal swab testing. And I mean, she just looks at me like, I mean, like, like she's totally dumbfounded. And she says to me, why do you think like this? I'm like, it's abuse. And I, and I, and I worry about what's coming next. Are they going to put us in camps? What is next? What's coming around the corner? And she goes to me, she goes, you know, you should not visit China. <laughs> and, I, and I said to her, I said, why are the Chinese people not fighting back in Shanghai? And, she, you know, she just gave kind of the standard. Well, they're scared. The government will put them in prison or will kill them. No, um, so like, what are you gonna do? Oh, and my wife did ask her. She goes, "How come Asians are always wearing masks?" And 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 she goes, kind of half jokingly, she goes, "Because we're ugly, and and mask gives us an excuse to cover our faces." And like my wife, my wife's like, well, "What is that?" And, 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 and this friend is divorced too, and she wants to remarry. And my wife's like, "Well, how are you? Gonna, how are you supposed to find a husband with your face covered?" And she goes, "Well, they won't marry me if they see if they see my face." And she's not ugly. She's not ugly at all. Um, so yeah, so like wow. yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to that girl. Um, I mean, she looks really stressed out. The daughter, who was my who was my daughter's friend. Um, this looks really – you could tell even before lockdowns that her mom was putting a lot of pressure on her. And, uh, and I'm sure it was it was absolutely miserable when, when she was stuck at home. So, yeah, and, and that's what this is about. It's about the next generation. It's about my kids' generation. After that, what's going to happen to them? Yeah. And that's what I worry about. Yeah, these brainwashed parents, I mean, they really suck all of the life out of out of their own children without even knowing it. I mean, yeah. to not to not recognize, to not be able to look at your own child and see that there's something seriously wrong going on, and say, "Hey, look, maybe we need to mix things up and just change things up. Let's turn this off. Let's go outside. You know, let's not put so much emphasis on this or that." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's so sad. Well, you know, and I hate, I, I hate to keep coming back to the mask, but so like. You know, you will see when you see these kids, they're still wearing a mask in school when it's not required. What usually happens, what you see is they will mask around their dipshit parents who are fully vaxxed and double masked. You know, so the, so they'll when they're around their parents, they'll wear a mask. But then when these kids hang out with their friends outside school, you know, maybe in somebody else's house or if they're in someone's car, they're not wearing masks. They're not wearing a mask. So, you know, so they have it on in class. They'll have it on around their parents, but around their friends, or if they're like at a party and, it, and, it, and the house is packed with kids, no one's wearing a mask. So, you know, again, it's like the parents. What, what is going on here? Um, yeah. 
Incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I, I mean, you, you bringing that up to me just reminded me of, again, a, a, probably a story I told a long time ago, but back in the summer or early fall of 2020, I was homeschooling my, uh, my niece and nephew at my, mm-hmm. at my brother's house and, and his wife's house. And we went and we played putt-putt and we would go play putt-putt on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, again, you're, you're talking peak mass craziness. There, there was this giant group of seemingly high school girls all wearing masks, all playing putt-putt, all standing yeah. around each other at the same time. And then my niece and nephew who were in elementary school at the time and me, no masks. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I'm staring at these high school girls going, what the hell is wrong with you? Look at us. Look at the three of yeah. us. And now look at yourselves. Yeah. And they just, it was, there was nothing there. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell well, you what, that, that, yeah. that, that, yeah. Bring, that brings up another thing too, which I wanted to ask about. Cause I know that I read the emails that you sent me about a friend of yours who passed away, who was young, healthy and jabbed and fell over in his backyard and died. Um, how is that family doing? Oh, geez. I, you know, um, it's, it's really sad. It is really sad. They're struggling. I get calls from her every now and then she's just, you know, the husband was the breadwinner of the family. Um, the two small kids, I think that's the one that, um, the one I told you about the one that has like two small kids. I went to, I even went to the, um, to the funeral. Um, you know, she's, she's having a really hard time. I know she's having a really hard time. You know, she lives a bit far away. Or I tried to help more. My wife tried to help more. Um, she's the way up in the East Bay. Up, you know, it's maybe it's an hour drive. It's not too bad. I mean, they drop your kids off anytime. But yeah, she's having a really hard time. I mean, you know, she doesn't have any help. Husband was a breadwinner. Uh, she's trying to get back into real estate. Um, you know, that you know, the real estate. That's kind of an interesting time too. No kidding. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, and the kids, the kids are, especially the kids, the kids are, are having a hard time. They're acting up more. Um, I think that's her biggest concern right now is with her kids. Um, they're really, they're, they're now, it's, it's really starting to sink in now to the kids. Uh, they're getting a little bit older. Um, they're realizing dad's not coming back. Um, it, it's, uh, and, and, you know, she just feels really overwhelmed. Uh, I don't know if she's going to move. I mean, they bought a house, but they have a pretty steep mortgage. And they, again, and the husband was the breadwinner. She was the stay at home mom with the kids. Um, now she has to go back and, you know, and, try to get back up in real estate or do something. Uh, I think the kids are getting some help through social security with what they're, you know, because from the dad's benefits um, and a little bit here and there and she had some investments, but yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's pretty rough. It's rough. Uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if I ever just want to give you real quick. I think the last thing that I, I had my notes that I want to talk about uh, was about what's happening in Silicon Valley. Yeah, sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, I'll try to make, fa- I know we're, gonna, we're going up past an hour. No, it's that. fine. It, time's not an issue for me. I, I did want to ask you about the AFLDS lawyer you had a conversation with. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was the America's Frontline Doctors. Yeah. That. Okay, so that was like around the time back in 2021 when I was planning on suing the school district on their mask policy. And I heard that AFL that the America's frontline doctors with Simone gold, that they were um, either a clearinghouse for litigation or that they were 
hiring lawyers to bring these lawsuits. Uh, and so I thought they might have some templates, maybe, you know, maybe they might have some templates or some things as far as for the complaints, like the kind of arguments they're using. I just want to look at, I want to see like the arguments they're using against these, you know, these, these public health orders right. to try to, to try to shoot them down. And I, I mean, this general counsel was just absolutely clueless, had no experience and she even told me, she said she just, she was like, a, she was just like a stay-at-home mom um, and hadn't practiced. I don't know if she'd ever practiced. She was not a litigator. Um, and she just sounded really flaky. And it's like she didn't have a clue, even just the basic stuff like about, you know, uh, um, like, you know, what, what has to, what needs to be the complaint, you know, the summons, all that stuff. Um, and she just didn't know. And I was just thinking, you know, what kind of organization that's serious. If they're serious about bringing these these lawsuits, you know, that they're suing the school districts on behalf of parents who are opposed to either the, the mask mandates or the vax mandates or whatever, how do you have this person as like your attorney and then the only attorney of your organization who's heading this up? It's like, did they purposely hire somebody that doesn't know anything? So they're not going to get suspicious. They're not going to look into what the group is doing because as far as I know, the America's frontline doctors, and look, I, I, I think they've, they've, they've done some good things as far as like, you know, questioning the, uh, the pandemic and, and, you know, and arguing for all these alternative uh, non-vaccine um, 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 medications like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. That's fine. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, uh, letting us, letting the public know that, um, that this whole COVID thing is an exaggeration. I think they've done some good stuff there. Uh, that was like last year or the year before. Yeah. Uh, but they've only brought one lawsuit that I'm aware of. Uh, uh, and that's in, I think it's in like in Southern California. It was against one of the school districts. I'm not aware of any other case they brought. And I know they raised a ton of money. Um, and it was really pathetic. I thought that, you know, Simone Gold, I, I, I remember even seeing like some of the photos of her, like at January, like either at the Trump rally or outside the Capitol or inside, it all looked really staged. It's yeah. like, you know, they're really going for something else here. There's not like, I don't think she's really there because it's all about freedom for her. Or, or, or liberty. it's something else going on. This is like an opportunity also for, you know, Hey, I'm here. Um, uh, you know, maybe more fundraising, uh, or, or, or more donations. I, I don't know. It, it didn't look real to me. I like how you explained it on that one, that one podcast about just how they're inside the Capitol and when all these weirdos are there and Antifa and you got all the, all the dummies running around, and, you know, obvious, um, it's an obvious psyop. It's a setup. Um, she just stands there and starts reading her, her speech. Who's, who's listening? Who could even hear with all the commotion? Right? Yeah, it was it was beyond evident. I think that it was a self promotion. You know, we got to yeah, get this on. Yeah, we got to get this on film inside the Capitol, and then we'll sell it to people, and we'll get more money because you know if we get in trouble, then we'll spend that money any way we see fit. And I mean, it's just very yeah. Odd. 
and then and, and, and I like the point you made about what I, yeah, she's even going to serve 60 days. But what was really pathetic was, uh, according to the papers now, okay, so we don't know exact, but you know, that, that, that she apologized, she was bawling about, you know, in front of, in front of, you know, in front of the judge, uh, and she was apologetic, and that she's not really like any of those people, any of them, and uh, like, you know, I mean what you know was maybe your attorney did our attorney tell her to you need to say this or you're going to get five years or ten years in prison if you don't well you know i, I still i i think that that, that would that looked really sad to me that, that yeah. if she would say a left um and if she's really going to go to jail or not i don't know, you know and, and you know i don't know you made a good point too about those um the other the prisoners uh, who are just languishing in the in a DC jail, where a lot of them are in solitary. Yeah. If that's even true or not, that might be. I think it is, but I'm not. I'm not positive. Yeah. You know, like you said, you know, you haven't seen the footage. Um, uh, Simone Gold's not in their situation. She she's not out in solitary for like the last year and a half without a hearing. Right. No. Yeah, it's it's so, very suspicious, no doubt about it. I'll tell you what, yeah. too, there, there's something else here. I, I think I mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, in a previous episode, I brought up the gym teacher that your children had. Oh, yeah. And, of course, his, his entire sexual escapades there. Um, that article you sent me about him is remarkably detailed, as I think I emailed back to you. And uh, definitely the follow-up. Follow right? Yeah, keep me in the loop yeah. as to what goes on with that, because I'll, okay. I'll, I'll certainly bring that up in the future. In particular, okay. of course, if he ends up going to trial or some you know, uh, some instance like that. Because, again, I always wonder about statute of limitations on things like that and whether there is any. Um, but it sounds remarkably serious, to say the least. I mean, it, it escalated from being called a sexual assault to flat-out rape. Yeah, it, it, it was rape. I mean, yeah. if, if, if the allegations are true, that right. was rape. Right. And I, and, I, and I totally agree with you that it's it's more 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 probable or or even that it happened i mean what what does this girl have to gain right what is there to gain you know by coming out and, and bringing this up and they're not even looking for money or anything I mean, this guy's a gym teacher you know and really i think i think like you said it was um something may have really triggered something may have triggered her um there could have been something and she's just she's it came out at the right at the time that she was ready to talk about it. Yeah. And maybe that this guy had gotten some awards recently and that bothered her. And she realized, you know what? I don't want other kids to be, um, you know, harmed. Uh, maybe it's time. It's time to speak up. Yeah. Well, um, definitely good for her for doing so again. Yeah. You know, you yeah. had, you had, uh, she seems so detailed in, in what she could remember from what was going on. And it sounded like his explanations were just completely dismissive in that article, but yeah, yeah, it was odd. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was, and I think a lot of the girls actually are kind of creeped out by him too, and they may not say it publicly, but they just didn't feel didn't really feel very comfortable around him. Yeah. Um, wow, and it's probably going on everywhere. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what. There's this just one last thing I wanted to mention sure. just just for this episode because it was certainly something that I wanted to toss your way to see if um, to see if you you pay attention to these things around where you live too. Um, here locally, 
and this is a, it's jab related, but it's one of the things okay. that they, that these doctors don't even know is going on. I mean, they aren't even making the connections. Um, locally, some of the local hospitals where I live, they're starting to, I, I don't know the exact name of the machine, but it's like a cardiograph machine or it's something that, you know, has something to do with heart, uh, heart disease or heart attacks or treating that or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but they're buying these machines now and buying lots of them for what they're calling a quote unquote massive uptick in stroke and heart attack cases. Yeah. And there's no mention of the jabs. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, they're, they're just not making the connection. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, um, because my, my brother was telling me that he was, um, so he was, okay, so uh, I don't know if I stepped into it really, if you were going to ask the question. No, that's it. I was just, okay. Yeah, I was just throwing that out there, so, again, for you and anybody listening, like, that's certainly something to pay attention to, what kinds of equipment they're buying, because they're telling people in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah no, that's a good, uh, no, I will, I will definitely try to keep an eye on that and ask around. I know somebody that works at the Stanford Hospital, so I'll ask her, and she's not jabbed. She has a medical exemption. Um, she has to be, she has to turn in like two COVID tests a week showing that she's negative. But, you know, you, you mentioned that. And, and I was talking to my brother the other day and he ran into an old, old running buddy at the pool. He belongs to the YMCA. And my brother asked him, said, Hey, how you doing? You know? And he goes, no, not too good. You know, and it's kind of a weird answer. Usually you say you're doing fine. Right. You know, even if you're not really doing that well. And I said, well, what's going on? He goes, well, I had a stroke. And he goes, I was, and he even said it was after I got the COVID booster in uh in january and he's still he's still recovering from it and said he has trouble like concentrating and it's harder to work out and do normal daily activities and his doctor did warn him that the vaccine can cause strokes but get this the doctor said it's still better than not getting vaccinated and and and, and dealing with covid <laughs> ridiculous so he got a stroke. This guy, my brother, this guy's got like maybe two percent body fat on him. I mean, he's just in excellent shape. They used to run together. He's like a completely different person now. He's in his fifties. He's in great shape. Um, works out. But I think this guy drank the Kool Aid, and he'd probably take the booster all over again, knowing what he knows. You know, just he was he was the unlucky one. Uh, wow. Was, yeah. So like, yeah, so in, in, in along those lines, I do notice that um, a lot of people are coming down with quote unquote COVID, right? You know, uh, and the vast, vast majority are vaccinated. You know, their, their immune, immune systems are, are shot. Um, and, you know, cases that, well, whatever the hell that means, you know, I don't, you know, PCR thing can be um, manipulated to, to just define you know, or to come up with more positives. But they say cases are up, that there's a surge, but they're all vaccinated people getting sick. And, you know, their immune systems, and I don't think it's just from the jabs, their immune systems are weak. I also think part of it is just living in isolation for two years. You know, not getting outdoors, um, not getting regular exercise or eating well. Uh, they're all stressed out about COVID, still wearing the mask. Um, you know, I don't know, what to, I don't know what's going to happen to these people. Wow. 
That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, they're not alone. This is happening. My God, this yeah. is happening all over the place. Yeah, and I don't know, like, uh, you know, as far as, like, how like how many people are dying, how many people are, you know, I don't really hear much about it. But, the, you know, you will get messages like, like, um, somebody might send a message like, unexpected, uh, brother passed away. Or something like, you might get an email message that says, couldn't make it to work today, had to go to a funeral. Well, kind of makes you wonder what's what's happening. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Does your Stanford I mean, does your Stanford Hospital friend? I mean, does is she awake? Does she know what's going on? She she does. She knows what's going on, and she's like the one person. She tells me she's the one person that when somebody comes in uh, with a stroke, a heart attack, uh, and has been recently vaccinated, she will mention something like, "Wasn't he recently vaccinated? Wasn't he that? Wasn't he boosted?" And like everyone else will look at her like, "How dare you!" How dare you say that? Yeah, you know, like you're not supposed to say that. Like it's impolite. It's impolite. It's just like it's like you know, hey, uh, you want to lose your job? Wow. And that too, but the, yeah, but a lot of them have just really just bought into it. Our colleagues have just either bought into it or they're faking it or what, but they just don't none dare uh, raise the issue that the vaccines are are doing this to people. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, if you ever, if you have more stories from her and you want to bring them up and, and, and yeah. you know, tell okay. me about them all for it. If, if you even want to tell her about the podcast, I'd love to talk with her. I mean, yeah. okay. you know, either, sure. I'm, I'm sure she's got an insight from the very inside as to what's been going on this entire time. Because I'd oh. love to ask her about school-age students and what she's yes. seen regarding them. Yes, that'd be, that would be great. And I may end up, I may end up seeing her next week i'm gonna have a barbecue and she's in town what, ha what what's going on is her family moved to texas but she's a she's actually a physician's assistant at stanford so she kind of she commutes it's, i don't know how they do it but she commutes from back and forth recently she has a place here in, in palo alto and then goes back to texas with her where her family is and um, so she might be in town. She, she did come over with some other people last week. So if I do have a chance, I will, I'll, I'll let her know. Awesome. Yeah. I think it'd be great. She's yeah. definitely awake. That's definitely. perfect. That's what I've, that's yeah. one of, that's one of the many things that uh, I've been thinking about is trying to get a hold again of, I've of course talked with awake educators yourself. I'd love to talk with another awake doctor who, who, uh, who's, you know, in the system, so to speak. And I mean, the stories that these people have, the stories, hey, I mean, frankly, the stories we all have is just, this whole time has been remarkable. Sean, if we have a minute, yeah, I got one story I want to tell you. Lay I think it, go for it. Uh, I think I changed something at Stanford. I think I had something to do with, with, the, with a policy change. It's their, their PCR testing policy. Yeah. Sort of. So, so they do, they do it outdoors. Um, they, they test the kids outdoors. They test the athletes, I think, once or twice a week. They test the students also twice a week. And they're set up outdoors in this, in this part of campus that I sometimes walk through. And whenever I see them, I give them help. 
uh, the last time it was maybe it was two months ago, three months, three months ago, I, I was on a walk through the campus with my wife. They were the PCR testers were out, and it was a super. It was a Friday. It was a super long line, a super long line of students and student athletes waiting to be nasal swabbed. It was like hundred students. I'm not kidding. Mostly like athletes, football players, but just like regular students too. So I stopped and I observed this very big guy he's like i had to be a football player and he was about to be nasal swab and he even he tells the technician his name i even remembered his name too um and and um uh, the technicians and the students they notice me i'm observing carefully maybe about 15 feet away on the sidewalk uh then i get into it and, and i tell the, one of the technicians there i said do you enjoy shoving that stick up their noses? You know, and I'm, and I'm pretty loud, okay? So people, everybody can hear me. And it was like this black female tech. She looked like maybe she was an African immigrant, like Ilhan Omar or someone. And she was getting really rattled. And a football player, like, like he starts smiling at me. And, and then I say to the tech, you know, you're participating in a lie. There's no COVID. COVID does not exist. And then there's like more laughter from the students in line. And then I so I sense that many of them are, are on my side, unlike maybe six months before that, when I when some of them really weren't crazy to hear what I had to say. And I kind of continue. I said, I said, look at all these young, healthy students, and you're treating them like biohazards. Oh yeah, I, I say, oh, they could be those asymptomatic super spreaders, right? Um, and so like, I, I think they're starting to call security and then, and then, and I say, you know, what's with the PPE outfits? You know, you, you got to dress the part, right? Keep the fear going. Um, and I say, you know, the mask doesn't work. You know, PCR is not a test. And then one of the texts says like another worker, you know, oh, I'm calling security and she, she pulls out her phone to take my photo and I, I strike a pose <laughs> with a big smile. Um, you, know, you take all the photos you want of me. I don't care. I post it everywhere. Um, and then I continue. I said, how much are you getting paid to shove up the stick? Um, you're just doing your jobs, right? And another worker comes out and is ordered to call security. And I made a few more comments about them being all jabbed. And I asked how many boosters they're planning to get. And then I, and then I walk away slowly and I continue walking. Nobody Nobody shows up or, or stops me. No one has. Uh, it's not the first time. But, and I was kind of hoping they would. But since then, they have moved their operations indoors. They no longer do the, do the testing outdoors. They moved it into the building um, where they're set up. So everything, <laughs> they all have to go inside now and get tested. I, I like to think I had something to do with that. I don't know. Uh, but I think maybe they got tired of hearing it from me. Uh, AJ, AJ Gojic, <laughs> social vigilante. <laughs> I love it. I no, love I can't it. Keep it. I, can't, I, I can't hold it in. I of gotta course. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. I love your show. I love your style. I love everything you do. Hey, I appreciate um, it too. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, hey, thank you. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.